0: Welcome to Less Than or Equal, the podcast about pursuing equality and geekdom by celebrating the diverse and their accomplishments. I'm Aline Sims, your host, and today I am joined by Scott Williams. Scott, welcome.
1: Hi, Eileen. Thanks. I'm so excited to be here.
0: I'm excited to have you. How are you
1: doing? I'm doing all right. It's been a real busy week for me and it's going to keep on being busy, but uh, this is a nice little change of pace for me.
0: I know. I was so excited for Friday, but it looks like I'm going to be working through the weekend. So it's like, Oh, it's a little yeah. sad, but yep. it's okay. It's good to have a job. So I won't complain <laughs> too much. So Scott, who are you?
1: Uh, well, I am a software developer. Um, although I've kind of taken a, a few turns into some other areas too. Uh, I work a lot with the web some and some iOS. I've been doing that for almost 15 years now. Um, I've got a couple of really cute daughters at home. They're seven and four years old, uh, and so they keep me busy. Um, I live in Phoenix, Arizona, and I kind of am enjoying a whole lot of stuff right now.
0: So you are guest number two two aside from my husband who does not count in this case to be on my podcast who um i have actually met in real life the first was ken gagney the host of polygamer um who lives in boston and he came to phoenix um for a conference and i was like yes you know we're gonna we're gonna do this so we ended up recording an episode um and just like face-to-face. And so you I met at a little geeky meetup for Phoenix area people um, the day after Christmas.
1: Yeah, that was fun. Uh, it was nice to see some people who I'd only known online or the internet and to meet a few new faces too. So that was it was really cold, I remember, because uh, we, we were outside. <laughs> yeah. But it was a lot of fun.
0: It was a lot of fun. And, and my husband, Justin, wore shorts and... And sandals and a t shirt. Yeah. And it was one of the colder nights that we've had this winter. It was I think it was like in the mid forties when we got to the car. And since we sat outside, he it took him like two hours to warm up after oh. that. It was hilarious. Yeah, but we got to got to have dinner with um oh Macworld, former Macworld editor Jason Snell and um yeah, just a bunch of people in in the valley, and it was yeah, it was. There good. was
1: Dan Sturm was there, uh, Paul Emerson, Kyle, Seth Gray, uh, and uh, and Jason's uh, lovely wife, too. Lauren,
0: and yeah. um, Paul. Oh, you said Paul? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, it was good. So. Part of the reason why I was like, oh, Scott would be an excellent fit for being on the show is because you yourself have a podcast. Do you want to talk about that a little bit?
1: Yeah. Recently, uh, since everyone else hasn't had a podcast, I thought, well, you know what? I should do one. It's time. It is. Um, A couple of friends and and myself, we decided to put one out. We are all the same age. We all have two girls, and we're all kind of uh, geeky tech people. And so we decided to put one out about fathers raising daughters. It, it's called uh, front to back, which is kind of a silly turn on a phrase that if you are a father of a girl, you were probably told at least several times before you left the hospital. Yes. Um, yeah. It's important. <laughs> yeah, Very important. Oh, yes, I know. Very, very <laughs> important. Uh, and so we've recorded four episodes uh, by now. We will re-record every other week. And we should be doing a fifth one probably on Monday. Uh, Monday and then put out, I think, cause this goes live later in the month. So this, the fifth one should be out before that. Um, and it's been fun. Uh, I enjoy it. Uh, my co-hosts are Jeff Mueller and Sam Davies and we have a good time. We, we do some, some funny stuff. It, we laugh. Uh, we tell some anecdotes and we also kind of discuss some more important things too. Uh, just about what it means to be a father and to raise some girls.
0: So why? why this topic and not, you know, you've got lots of geeky interests and lots of fodder to talk about. So why did you choose fatherhood and being the father of girls as the topic of your show?
1: Hmm. Well, uh, yeah, a lot of my interests stray towards geekier things. um, But that's kind of well covered (laughs) by much smarter and better people. Um, I, I think that if you want to get up to speed on say tech news there are already at least a dozen other podcasts that would do it better than me and I don't think I really have a whole lot of real insight to offer there I kind of enjoy the tech news angle but I think I enjoy listening to that more than expounding on my own opinions on that uh, and I had wanted to do a podcast for some time but I just didn't have an idea and so it was Sam and Jeff who approached me and said hey do you want to do this we have girls <laughs> And I was like, oh, yes, <laughs> that would be great, because I think that's kind of underserved. And it's something that is more of a personal type of nature, so that the views that I can and opinions that I can talk about, I can root in just the day-to-day life, you know, and everything that I've lived so far.
0: Yeah, it, what I like about it, too, is I feel like, um, well, obviously, I have kind of a vested interest in, you know, things concerning feminism, like being talked about, whether it's, you know, raising girls and, and, and how you do that or whatever. But I think that we're kind of on this like second wave of realization that, oh, you know, things need to change, you know? And so I think that, I think that it's really interesting that, that you're doing a podcast kind of right in that
1: Hmm. vein, yeah, I, as, uh, we'll get to probably I guess, some of my my history, but when I was a kid, I guess just going through the school system, I had kind of thought that, oh, we'd solved all these things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, women have the right to vote, so therefore we fixed sexism, and we had Martin Luther King, so therefore we fixed racism. And I, I held those views probably until an embarrassingly old age.
0: Mm, me too.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, you know, I start paying more attention to what's really going on around just the country and the world. And it's like, well, yeah, we've made progress, but there are still so, so many things that are are just completely broken.
0: So how do you think being the father, the father of girls has changed your perspective?
1: Um, well, as I've said to a few friends and things before, it's, it's turned me into a feminist, um, uh, again, when I was a kid, what I listened to a lot in the car was what my parents did. And they really liked talk radio and especially conservative talk radio. Mm-hmm. So every day I got an earful of Rush Limbaugh, Dr. Laura, and those kind of things. Oh, me um, too. Yeah. So and uh, because of that, I, mean, I I hear feminist and I, I, I think, oh, feminazi, you know, Rush's favorite word, it seems like. Um, And I just didn't really think anything else about it until I kind of came to more of her understanding that, I mean, I married a brilliant woman uh, who's got a successful career and is very smart. And I th- kind of thought that, well, she needs to have at least as fair of a shake as I get, because um, she has a lot to contribute to the world, and it would be foolish to hold that back. And we had the girls, and... I want the best for them. I mean, as a parent, who doesn't want the best for their kids? Um, so i I want things to be better for them. i want I don't want them to have to suffer or to go through some of the pain that I see other women going through
0: is Is there a moment like a defining moment that you can point to that where you realized that the way you were raised and the way you perceive reality were like your current perception were at odds. Does that question make sense?
1: It makes a lot of sense. Okay. Um, but th- I don't think there's one specific moment I can point to, um, but kind of more of a process. Yeah. Uh, I guess like a, an evolution of my personal beliefs and things like that. Um, I mean, if, if you want to start back, probably the earliest thing that I can think of would, I would have been in, I think, sixth grade. So what, like 11, 12 years old or so mm-hmm. in math class. And we were at a table. It was me, another guy, and a girl working on some team project or whatever. And I was picked on a lot in junior high, sixth grade and junior high. Uh, and so I was kind of going through a lot of issues right there. And so then as just circumstance would have it that day, uh, the other person at the table started picking on the girl. And I remember thinking that I was not the target this time. And so I quickly joined in lest I become the target. Uh, and, you know, sixth graders can be mean. Kids can be jerks. And, you know, of course it got mean. And I could see that she was getting upset. Um, She was starting to tear up a little bit. And I realized, you dummy, you've gone too far. You've really mm-hmm. gone too far. What's wrong with you? And so I pumped the brakes and stopped and, you know, moved moved on to something else. Who knows what even. But I remember that because I felt pretty awful afterwards that... Because I knew exactly what she was going through just to be picked on just for no good reason, just because it was her turn or whatever. Uh, and so uh, I realized that very clearly at that point that what you say can have a big impact on people and it can hurt them. Mm-hmm. And I knew that. And why would I want to do that to others as well? Um, I, Of course, I wish I could say that was the last time I ever uh got in trouble with my words and use that to pick on people. Um, but that was probably just a start of when I thought realized you can build people up and you can tear them down. But the probably the biggest moment and one that is just kind of seared into my memory happened a while later when I was a freshman in college. Uh, I was an engineering major at the time. Cause I thought that's what I wanted to be. <laughs> I quickly realized I did not want to be an engineer. <laughs> um, but I had everyone in their first semester had to take kind of this how to be an engineer class. And there was another kind of group environment. There was, we were on a team of five people. Uh, it was four, four guys and one girl. And we decided based on some reason that our team name should be. Quote, uh, four dudes and a vixen, unquote.
0: Oh no. Oh no. <laughs>
1: um, she was okay with it. She, she agreed with it. And I thought, okay, fine. <laughs> um, and I thought it was funny.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: looking back, it's so obvious mm-hmm. what that set up. I mean, it just immediately, like on day one, it set up that she was okay with her role being defined as a vixen. Mm-hmm. And that's, so dumb. And I mean, I, it's completely clear to me now, but you know, 17 year old me just was like, okay, <laughs> whatever. No problems here. Um, and unfortunately it gets worse. Um, so there were, for that class, there were three projects we, that made up the bulk of your grade. And they were all kind of, you work as a team, build something engineering like thing, write a report on it, submit it and all that stuff the first one of those went great. Uh, we did well. The second one was when things kind of started to fall apart. Um, the the girl in that, um, I'll just call her Sally. She started kind of flaking out. There was some tension. Uh, she stopped showing up to some of the meetings and then, uh, so we were kind of discussing, you know, what's up, what's going on. We don't know. Uh, and then, uh, one meeting when everyone was there, her and uh, another one of the guys, I'll call him Bob, kind of had just gotten to a giant fight, and Bob started just going crazy. He called her all kinds of derogatory words you use. B word, the C word, and everything. And like yelling and shouting and screaming. And I was literally stunned when that started happening because I I didn't know what to do because I had never encountered anything like that before outside of like TV or the movies. Um, and so it got, it got bad. And I think she left after that and we're like, what happened? And it, it turned out they had, they'd started dating and had a relationship and broke up as you do when you're a freshman. Right. Um, and so after that, she kind of just stopped showing up. Um, oh. <laughs> and so for the third project, she, I think she showed up once and then not at all after that. And the four of us, aside from her, kind of got together and were like, well, someone suggested she hasn't really contributed to this project. Do we include her on the report? And at the, again, at the time, <laughs> I was like, well, she hasn't contributed, so she shouldn't be on the report. And so we all agreed not to include her. And we knew that that would pretty much make it impossible for her to pass the class. Um And so at some point, one of us... Called her and informed her that she wasn't going to be on the report, and she said, okay. Uh, fast forward about a month, right before finals, uh, I get a call from her, from Sally. And she tells me that she has gone to the dean and is talking, and, you know, some sort of thing is opening up. Like, uh, an investigation, sort of, not, not like an investigation, investigation, but whatever
0: the In academic inquiry?
1: Yeah, exactly. Good word. Yeah. And I'm like, whoa. Uh, I was kind of shocked by that. Uh, and she had, you know, at least to my, my younger credit said that I was the only one who wasn't just a complete a hole to her. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, she didn't let me go off the hook completely because I had made a few stupid jokes at her expense. Like your standard, oh, girls are dumb. Girls can't do science type of jokes. And again, at the time, I didn't mean it, of course, because I was just teasing, and I had thought that those jokes are dumb and mean and stupid, like the pretty much the equivalent of, say, a blonde joke or something along those lines. But she clearly remembered them and did kind of bring it up that my hands weren't completely clean here. So we had the whole inquiry with the professor, the dean, and by this time, I'd already figured out that I did not want to be an engineer and I would already pretty much said my like goodbyes to that profession. Mm-hmm. Um and so I just wanted to be out of there. And so that that inquiry was really awkward. Um she ended up pretty much dropping the matter because she had some other issues going on um that I don't know much about. But that that whole experience was just eye-opening. Um and I look back on it I keep looking back on it like it, I can't escape that memory. And I look back and I think, well, what, what happened? Because for a while I thought that those those stupid jokes that I said were just that stupid. But it was just kind of emphasized the fact that continuously she kept being degraded just because she was a girl. And I felt more and more bad for that because there t- all it could have taken is just one person who who just respected her more. And when that that blow-up happened, I mean, granted, I was literally stunned. <laughs> like, I didn't know what to do. Right. But looking back, I'm like, well, I could have just said, interrupted right there and said, Bob, what are you doing? You're being a complete jerk right now or something, just stopping it right there, saying, I don't know what's going on with you two, but you can't do that. Um, Or being an advocate for her. I mean, of course she didn't participate in the third project. Right. Who would want to do that? Right. After having all that dirty laundry aired. And of yeah. course, after, uh, we had found out that they'd been in a relationship, the other guys just started pumping in for information on what that was like. And that, I mean, I, I, even at the time of that, I was really uncomfortable about that. Um, but, you know, it was out. You can't unring that bell. Right. Um, and I, I, the more I think about it, I think, well, that, after that, that should have been it. That should have been, our group should have been done and we should have had to just recreate or join other groups or who knows what. Um, so that, that was, so I was 17 when that happened and I'm 34 right now. So half a lifetime ago. Um, and I think I don't want that to happen to my girls, uh, cause that no need for that.
0: Yeah. Well, and it's not, you know, so you're, you're two years older than I am, I guess, around. And it's not better now than it was then, you know, it's, yeah. it's not. Um, And I think of, I think of 17 years ago and like, you know, that was forever ago. Yeah. You know, surely things have changed a lot since then. It's but a generation. It is. Oh, don't tell me that. It <laughs> is, but you know, it just, it's not better In fact, in some ways, I think that people are digging their heels and it's worse.
1: Yeah. And I think about it, like, I see all the stuff that's going on. Like, let's, let's just name it, you know, Gamergate. Mm -hmm. I see that. And I think what would have happened if that had been around, like, if social networking had been around when I was a teenager, what, how would that have affected me? Um, because I think I, I don't know, I, I could have been swept up in something like that, um, just because, you know, you're an impressionable teenager and there's something like that happens and I feel bad about it. But if there was, say, a movement, so to speak, of people saying it's not my fault, it's her fault, because, of course, it would have been uh, if that had been made public. Right. And I wonder what would have happened? You know, would I have been able to kind of eventually pull my head out of the sand or would I have doubled down on the obstinance and just being... Whatever it is that they, they all dig into.
0: It's so hard to to think about. You know, I think about myself as in high school, in middle school and high school, and I was, you know, I was depressed and I was lonely. I didn't have a lot of friends. And um, in fact, my mom actually kind of laments that I wasn't more of a go with the crowd kind of person because she's like, you would have had such an easy, you know, an yeah. easier time in school if you had just you know, capitulated a little bit, but I wouldn't, you know, it was like, this is, this is who I am and how I am. And if you don't like it, that's fine. I'll be by myself and miserable, but you know,
1: well, I'm more of a, just keep your head down. Yeah. (laughs) And, and,
0: and, and I did too. I, I read a lot. I didn't make a lot of eye contact. And, and so, yeah, I think about myself as, as a teen when something like this went on and, and, you know, that's, that's hard. Like, I'm pretty sure I wouldn't have paid attention to it one way or the other. And I would have just been like, all right, well, clearly one group is being stupid. And, you know, they're picking on this other group, but I don't know that I would have been as vocal about it um as yeah. I have been, um, you know, because I'm more confident and I care even less now. So, right. um but yeah, it's because... You're an entire, you've had half a lifetime to become a completely different person than you were then.
1: Well, I, (laughs) it's nice of you to say that, (laughs) but I I mean, everyone, I I like to think that I try harder and I think I do do better and I don't think, and I haven't let stuff like that. I've never experienced anything that violent or not even violent, but that heated. Um, But in the little things that have come up here and there, I do speak of. Um, and I try, you know, it's things that I work on, but it's, it's an ongoing process. I don't think you're ever done trying to be, um, good or whatever you want to call it.
0: Yeah. Well, and, and I struggle with it too. Like, you know, I'm cis, heterosexual, white, you know, I don't have it all that bad when you, when you, you know, look at the list, but you know, it's, um, it's very important to me, you know, transgender rights. Um, LGBT, um, all the LGBTQ rights are all very important to me, and I feel like mm-hmm. you know we're seeing some equity, you know, for like marriage equality and that kind of thing. But I feel like you know my ch- transgender friends and um, and and listeners have a really really hard time right now, yeah. and I I think a lot about how I can be a good supporter of them and a good advocate for them without um, saying one, something stupid and offensive, because I, you know, I'm really, I'm new to this and I'm, I'm trying, but sometimes I get things wrong. And, you know, without trying to make my voice more important than theirs, because I can't speak for other people. And I think it can be a really fine line to walk. Like when you're a man, um, advocating for better treatment for women, you know, at work or whatever, I think that, you know, there's a line you have to toe. And I don't know, it's it's yeah. hard. It, it's hard it is, to be in this it's space. It's really hard.
1: Um, you know, and I, I grew up raised in a, in a Christian family and we went to church a lot. And I still have those beliefs. I, I still consider myself... A Christian. And that makes, so I have, but I have issues sometimes with the way the church treats those people or, or people like that. Um, mm-hmm. and I think, you know, without, we don't really need to go into that whole topic, but I, I think that you need to err on the side of love and grace, um, and with all people. And so when you don't do that, you've taken whatever values that you have from that and have just kind of thrown them out. You know, uh, and so that's kind of the last few years I've grown more and more to err on that side of of loving people or what have you, because I think that's what we're we're called to do. Um, And so then I get even more frustrated when I see people that I respect all of a sudden say things that I'm like, well, that's that's hateful. You can't do you shouldn't be doing that.
0: Yeah, I have um, a friend. He. Through Twitter. Um, he started listening to the show and then contacted me on Twitter, and we've since become, I guess, good acquaintances would be uh-huh. a more accurate term. And he's a recently ordained um, Mennonite pastor, and he's told me a little bit that right now the, the Mennonite church it has this huge schism and, in fact, might actually be splitting up into two different branches over marriage equality hmm. and you know he's told me how distressing it is for him because you know he's you know he listens to my show he agrees with what i say so like he he airs on the side of yeah let let people get married and he he's like i'm so sad that that my faith that that the people i've been surrounded by for so long are so divided by this
1: mm-hmm.
0: and um
1: the view that I have taken is that I can personally be for or against something, just pick your whatever topic, mm-hmm. but, um, in terms of government or politically have kind of the, believe that the opposite way, if you're going to introduce a law, it doesn't necessarily have to ascribe with my, my personal beliefs. Yeah. And it's, it's that's a hard, that's a hard pill to swallow sometimes.
0: Yeah, it is. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm very liberal. I grew up very conservative, yeah. <laughs> you know, Rush Limbaugh, Dr. Laura. Um, and I'm, I'm very, very liberal, which is, I don't even know how that happened. So, <laughs> you know, but so often on these issues, I'm like, well, yeah, everyone should be able to get married. What do I care? You know, that's none of my business, but I do, I can see how, um, how hard it is, you know, when I don't agree with things, the Hobby Lobby decision by the Supreme Court, I was absolutely livid. Mm. It was like, you know, let women have birth control. Um, Okay.
1: Yeah. Refresh my memory on that one. (laughs) Yeah.
0: It was um, Hobby Lobby basically went up the judicial line um, because they didn't want to provide birth control to their female employees because they do, they believe that contraception, the owner believes that contraception is against his, um, mm. it's against biblical principles basically.
1: Right. Okay. Um, well, it's not, but okay. Uh. <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> right. That's, and I'm like, I've read the Bible more than once and I don't remember, but whatever. Yeah. Um. You know, but the fact that the Supreme court was like, oh yeah, well you don't have to supply it. And I'm like, wait, wait a second what's going on with this you know that I, I was absolutely livid and then yeah. I went home you know to my conservative hometown my conservative family members and I was like this is not right and they were like well health care is is not a right it is a privilege and uh-huh. they should and I was just like okay we're I can't talk to people at home about politics because yeah. it just, it yeah. doesn't work but I understand that kind of that discomfort of feeling like something like this is not right. Um, but I have to live with it anyway.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And, um, you know, I don't know. It's hard. It's a hard thing to do Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and you just got to do it sometimes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think empathy develops slowly in people. (laughs) <laughs> when I was a teenager and a young 20-something, I, I had very little. Um, you know, now that I am a, a completely mature grown-up adult, <laughs> um, <laughs> I have a little bit more. Um, and and I find that I, part of it is, I think, a maturation process, but I think you do kind of have to do self-analyzation. Look at where are you doing well, where are you a jerk, and try to smooth out those edges. Yep.
0: Well, and it it is, it is, it's a brain development thing to a certain point. You know, when, when you're two years old, all you understand is you, you don't understand that, you know, mom and dad and siblings and friends and playmates have feelings and emotions and what you do impacts them. That's something that you're taught and you learn over time. And I really don't think until you're in like even your late twenties and early thirties that. I don't think that most people are in a space where they can really think about that. Absolutely. It, I don't know how much is developmental and how much is like societal conditioning because it's like, you know, you you've got 22 years to get your entire f- future figured <laughs> yeah. out in her, yeah, right. you know, in our society like you've got to go to school and then you have to go to college and you have to pick a career and, you know, God help you if your first major, you get two years into it and then want to switch, because then you're in trouble and, you know, you have to have it all figured out. (laughs) So it doesn't give you a lot of space to think about other people until you're older.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And you're absolutely right. Um, Yeah. (laughs) And you, you asked me before, like, how like, my circumstance with my family kind of has changed me, and that's, that's one of the ways. Um, seeing the girls run around encounter, you know, little kid problems and things like that, you still kind of develop some of that empathy with that. Um, and it changes you, too. Uh, some of it's kind of silly and funny how that changes you. Um, like, I remember when my oldest was still a baby, um, I was holding her, you know, trying to get her to go back to sleep, of course and i decided to put on a movie to watch on like netflix or something and i saw that like, close encounters of the third kind was on and i put it on and i start watching it because i hadn't seen it in a long time uh and at the beginning there's a child abduction scene you know no uh sorry to spoil a 30 year old movie but <laughs> uh yeah the aliens come and take away a little boy and I was watching that. And I'm like, I was like starting to have a mild, mild panic attack <laughs> over it. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, I've seen this movie before. I know he's okay, <laughs> but I can't deal with this right now. It's freaking me out way, way too much. <laughs> and so I had to turn it off and I, I watched something else instead. I don't remember what, but child endangerment in media still really screws me up. Like, I, I really have problems like seeing movies or tv or or news stories about that kind of stuff. Um so yeah, uh parenthood changes you.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Well, it's a it's a huge paradigm shift. Yeah. You know, it's not you're not moving a millimeter to the right. It's like you're you're the next block over.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I was <laughs> part of it I think is also sleep deprivation. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, I would uh <laughs> I would start to tear up at like insurance commercials that display like a real happy family or something like that. Like, oh, it's a cute family. <laughs> I, I don't do that anymore. Um, <laughs> but yeah, eh, the kids will do that.
0: Yeah. So, what are what are the kids interested in? I mean, I know they're they're young right now, but but do they tend toward the geeky?
1: Some ways. Um, my oldest is really into Star Wars. Um, we've watched them together and she watches them a lot. Uh, she has a couple of toys and is real into that. Uh, she's in first grade and at her school, they have something called coding club, which isn't real coding. It's just kind of a cute little program to get you familiar with like logic and some sort of algorithmic thinking. Like you have uh, a cartoon dog and you move him along a path to get to his food and he's got to jump over stuff kind of type of thing. But she really liked it. Uh, She had fun with that, and so we kind of are encouraging her just to kind of go down that and enjoy that. Uh, Sometimes she wants to see me program, (laughs) so uh, I'll work on some sort of problem in front of her. She'll get bored real quick because Mm -hmm. it's usually... Uh, dad just goes to Stack Overflow and tries to find an answer to something.
0: Talks to himself a lot.
1: Yeah, mumbles. Yeah. Uh, I try to keep the yelling Cursing. at the compiler. Yeah, try to keep that down when she's there. Yeah. <clears throat> um, and yeah, so she's kind of into that. The younger one is, is four, and so she's not quite really into a whole lot of other stuff like that yet. Uh, but she might be uh, at some point. Who knows? Uh, they're both really smart. Um, they get that from their mother. <laughs> uh, and... It's impressive just to kind of see them learn something and then take off with it. The oldest has been reading and just won't stop, which I think is awesome. So we got her a Kindle for Christmas and loaded up some kids' books onto that, and she doesn't put it down. It's uh, <laughs> it's the modern equivalent of keeping a flashlight in your bed and reading. Uh-huh. Like I'll go in and I'll see the backlight. <laughs> just going. <laughs> And I'm like, okay, you know, you can keep reading. Just get some sleep sometime. <laughs> so nice,
0: yeah. I uh, I remember very vividly my first library card and what it looked like, and um, checking out like literally 40 books at once. Yeah, and you know the librarians commenting about how, and I read them all. You know.
1: Yeah. So, did you have any books? I'll ask you a question. Huh? Sure. Um, that you would recommend.
0: For seven-year-old, oh, yeah. I've got to think. Um,
1: we because we got a wrinkle in time, uh, and she oh. she did she started to read that, but I think it was still just a little. It's bit It's a little
0: her. old, yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I do have a leg up because my best friend has a seven-year-old and an eight-year-old. So let me think. Um, I got them the Beverly Cleary series a couple of years ago so that they could sit down and read them as, as a family, you know, cause mm-hmm. it was a little, little outsider age range. So
1: yeah, she just finished Ramona the Pest uh, and enjoyed that.
0: Yeah. And, and I remember reading the Ramona books when I was about that age, Um, I know, I know the eight year old, try not to say her name because they don't, they don't put the names on the internet. the older, the older, um, their older daughter really liked the Franny K. Stein books. Um, let's see. I liked Ramona. I liked, um, the boxcar children were some of my favorites. I mean, I reread the Boxcar Children books over and over and over and over again. Um, what else? <laughs> I mean, I, I I read a lot, and I was a, a somewhat advanced reader. I remember in the third grade, I was reading at a college level. So it's nice. like, I'm not trying to brag, but it's a little yeah, hard yeah. for me to remember being seven and yeah, what I was reading. I
1: know um yeah, she liked uh we we got her the bridge to terabithia and i'm like oh yeah she should oh
0: that was so sad
1: yeah she didn't oh. I, I i keep meaning to have a conversation with her about it just because i do i don't really remember it that well but i i looked up the plot somewhere like oh yeah that's that book yeah. um, and i don't think, remember her saying a whole lot about it i don't know if she just internalized it or it might have been too old for her at the time mm-hmm. but i'll you know i need to circle back on that
0: oh rolled doll like james and the giant peach yeah um you know those those classics um yeah.
1: she sh- liked charlie and the chocolate factory a lot
0: okay yeah um and then of course like shell silverstein Sil- silverstein i don't know which way um <laughs> uh those i i still read those so <laughs> those were cl- those are one of my go-to gifts for for kids is is Those poems. Um, I will ask my friend though and see what else. See what else the eight-year-old likes because she's she's much like your daughter. She's always reading, Mm -hmm. always, always, always has her nose in a book. And if she's not reading, you know, they're they're in the car. um, They homeschool, so they're like in the car driving all over Phoenix to do homeschool group things, and Hmm. um, they're reading audio or listening to audiobooks. So they're always in books. So I will I will see what she has to say because. Um, I like to encourage reading very, yeah. very much.
1: Yeah, no, it's a, it's a good one. Uh, the younger one's getting there. She's she knows her her letters and what sounds they make. She's just got to start putting them together <laughs> to make words.
0: That's the hard part. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, and the the person I had on the show as of when we're recording the most recent one was Sean Reed, mm-hmm. and he's formed forming a nonprofit. Wait, isn't a nonprofit? I shouldn't say that. So, <laughs> his name is Sean Reed, and he's creating the Alliance for Girls in STEM, which huh. is um, an independent publisher of game of books, encouraging um, girls specifically to be more into science and that kind of thing. And I've actually read the first book that they're working on, and it's you know it's really cute. So that's um, cool. So is
1: it this uh, agstem.org? dot Yep. Okay. Yep.
0: Cool. Yeah. Um, and he's got a lot of ideas. So it's going to be really fun to see where he takes that too.
1: Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, my wife is uh, a professor at Arizona State. She teaches audiology, uh, like hearing science and stuff. Mm-hmm. So she, she is not for lack of getting a, a sciencey background. Nice. Oh, and it was kind of cool. Um, the other night, I was kind of tired of reading stories. (laughs) I wanted to switch it up a little bit. And so I I grabbed my iPad and I'm like, hey, do you guys want to learn about space and stuff? Because I kind of have a passing interest in in that kind of thing. And they're like, okay. So we talked about things in the solar system, like the planets and how far away things are. And then they they kept coming back, like the last two nights. They're like, can we learn about space? Nice. (laughs) And I'm like, yeah, sure. Let me uh, grab something and think about what we're going to do. So we would watch... The uh, Apollo 11 video, um, stuff like that. Look at Mars lander type things and um, Voyager 1 and 2 and that kind of stuff. And that's been kind of fun. Um, they, I don't know if they quite get it all, but they're really interested in it. I think that's that's kind of cool.
0: That's really cool. And, you know, I wanted to be an astronaut when I was little and I wanted to go yeah. to space camp. So huh. it it does my heart good to hear, <laughs> to hear little girls interested in space. Yeah. What else do you do to kind of passively encourage them to um to learn i guess
1: um, we do try to pay attention to what they they do uh for recreation stuff and encourage like playing and creating type of things uh, and not just kind of sit in front of the television uh, or just play and if we give them an iPad to play with. We make sure that they're not just watching Netflix, uh, but actually trying to do a more creative type app, like the like drawing or what have you, things like that. Even just playing a game or something like that, I think is, is better than just kind of sitting there and taking it in. Uh, encouraging the playtime is good. Just keep them involved kind of with what we do. Um, even though they're not going to get a whole lot of stuff, uh, I try, like, since my background is a programmer, I have tried to put together kind of real simple things, like ba- real basic games that they can play or just show them how they- I make them. Uh, and they get kind of a kick out of that. It's it's pretty much doesn't go beyond just being involved in their lives and exposing them to just the things that you like, too.
0: Um, have you played Robot Turtles with them yet?
1: Robot Turtles? No, I'm not familiar oh, with
0: that. Okay, so when you were talking about um, your older child's um like programming coding class group Wow. I, yeah, uh, <laughs> um, yeah sure i um it it reminded me of robot turtles where it's basic it's a board game uh-huh. and um i gave it to my best friend's girls for christmas. So, hmm. so I have played it actually. Um and it's the same thing you were describing with the dog only you're doing it with turtles trying to yeah. to get a gem. Um but it's, you know, it 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 was a lot of fun. You know, the 7-year-old doesn't like doesn't quite get, you know, what the different cards mean sometimes. So she yeah. like turns into a wall and we're like, "Okay, wait. Wait, you can't turn in well, you can turn in the wall, but yeah. but that's what we call a bug." So, um <laughs> So that might be a game that you might want to look into getting. Yeah, for him. No, that
1: looks kind of cool. Um, yeah, the one that the coding club used is a free for anyone. It's called Tinker uh, with a Y, T Y N K E R, uh, and you can. There's a web app, and you can also put it on an iPad too. Uh, and there's a whole lot of different types of things you can do in it, which is kind of fun. They're pretty involved with that Hour of Code. Uh, oh, program. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Nice. So I haven't had a chance to listen to your podcast yet. I'm, I'm, (laughs) I am in a place where podcasts are difficult for me to listen to right now. Um, so what kind of challenges do all of you agree on (laughs) as far as, as parenting? Like what, what, what challenges and accomplishments, I guess, have been stick out to you the most?
1: Uh, you, you probably get a, a a real good kick out of episode number four, our most recent one, where we kind of start talking about, um, quote unquote, maintaining your masculinity being the only man in the house, uh, so to speak. Uh, and so that's, that was a kind of a cool discussion that we had about what that means. You know, when, when people find out, oh, you have two girls, you're outnumbered then (laughs) is what they say. And Mm -hmm. none of us feel that way about it. Um. And, you know, just kind of going through some of the tropes that dads have. Like dads, on one hand, are kind of dumb, kind of not very bright. Um, Homer Simpson. Yeah, Homer Simpson, uh, the dad from, what's that show, Modern Family,
0: mm-hmm.
1: especially. But they're also expected, you know, the dad is supposed to be the handyman who can fix cars, shelves, walls, plumbing, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, but just don't do too good of a job because you're still dad <laughs> kind of thing. Um, so we talk about that. Uh, one of my co-hosts got kind of fired up about it. It's kind of cool. Uh, and so that, that was probably a real good one that I think we had. Um, I'm just kind of going through some of our other show notes and stuff like that. Dealing with, with healthcare mm. when, when you have a kid and if your spouse also works. Um, because yeah, that's something I kind of alluded to earlier. Um, when I first got married, uh, just over 12 years ago, I, had kind of that opinion that the best way to raise a kid is if, you know, mom stays home or one parent stays home, I should say, Mm -hmm. uh, and raises the kids. And, but I got more and more thinking about it. Like I said, my wife is, wants to be a professor. She wants to teach the newer people and also work in a clinic to help people hear better. And I, I shouldn't hold her back from the world, you know? (laughs) And Interestingly, when I was preparing for that, that show a few weeks ago, I came across like kind of daycare and how it's actually not going to ruin your child if you send them to daycare.
0: It's good in a lot of ways.
1: It's really good. Yeah. yeah. Um, and we, We have uh, a person, I guess you'd call them a nanny, although that sounds kind of ostentatious, (laughs) who comes over a few days a week to watch the girls. And she does a great job. She's, she loves them and they love her. And so that's kind of a real good situation and everyone's happy. But if we had to go and find a good daycare and there are, there are some good ones out there, um, then it wouldn't be, wouldn't be, (laughs) they wouldn't turn out to be psychopaths. So that, that was kind of reassuring to see.
0: Yeah, I actually have a background in early childhood. My mom um, was a Head Start director for several years. She's been um, Child Care Center director. She's been a special needs, um, like, liaison for kids. And so one of my first jobs um, in high school was working for her in the Child Care Center. And I actually, like, through college was um, the nursery supervisor, so working with the baby babies. And so, you know, it's it's not great sometimes yeah. but you know you're learning socialization there's you know if you're going to a good center there's a variety of toys that get rotated that you know hit different brain you know parts of the brain and yeah. um yeah so the only thing about child care is it's so expensive
1: it is it really know? is
0: and i think it, i think it was georgia dow said something about you know, in Canada, child care is like seven dollars a day or something, and I am like, in the United States, it's like yeah. a lot more than seven dollars a day. Yeah, that's um, yeah, it's, <laughs>
1: it's it's
0: it's expensive, and so I is, it,
1: is it more subsidized then?
0: I, I think so, yeah. Because okay. yeah. I was
1: like just thinking, like, how do you how do you make that work logistically?
0: Yeah, it's. Childcare is hard. I, th- I think, um, you know, I, I don't have children and we're not planning on having children, but, you know, I kind of watch watch my friends going through all of this and it, it feels like, you know, we, this good old American work ethic has really stacked American society against parents and kind of against mothers just because of that, you know, traditional viewpoint of you know, the mom is the one who's the primary caregiver. And mm-hmm. if the child is shit sick, she's the one who stays home and, um, and all of that. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's hard right now.
1: It totally is. Um, yeah. And that's, it's yeah. Cause it, we, we found a really nice kind of chart on where healthcare is expensive and even in the cheap spots, it's not that cheap. Like before my wife got that, uh, a teaching job at ASU, most of her paycheck was go first to health care for the family and then to paying for the child care. Uh, and it worked out okay. I mean, I, as a software developer, just by the nature of my profession, it tends to be better paid than, say, plumber or teacher even. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it was never that tight for us. But I would think, you know, well, what if what I like to do didn't pay well? um we could be in trouble because of that.
0: Yeah, it's it's hard. It it it's it's just hard, you know, because it's not the 1950s anymore. It's, you know, we need two incomes. Most people need two incomes to yeah. to keep their families afloat and um and I don't feel like uh employers have really cared to change their policies you know our society hasn't cared to change that policy i guess
1: yeah we've kind of kept doubling down and don't have the bankroll to pay uh pay the debt um in financially and just socially that's rough yeah
0: (laughs) (laughs) so we are about 50 minutes right now is there anything else you wanted to talk about today
1: um Something, I guess, that was also kind of on my mind is, you know, my kids are still young, but they sadly are not going to be that way forever. And uh, because they're going to be teenagers pretty soon.
0: In the blink of an eye.
1: Sooner than I think, yeah. Yeah. Um, And I'm i scared to death (laughs) of what to do once they get smartphones. (laughs) (laughs) uh, Because before this whole thing happened, I'm like, oh, no big deal. I know how to set up. Uh, a firewall on our network to just block everything except for, say, Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> uh But you can't do that as well with a smartphone.
0: No, yeah. Um
1: And I don't want to be, you know, completely overbearing dad and say, no, you can only use this to text your mom and me <laughs> mm-hmm. or anything like that. I want to give them freedom but still protect them from getting hurt, too. Mm-hmm. So I I'm not sure... <laughs> What to do about that? I mean I think the best thing I can think of is to just kinda keep on doing what we've been doing and be straight with them. Mm-hmm. Not try to scare scare not not scare them straight, but make sure that they're not going in completely naive either. Yeah. You know,
0: it's so you know, we grew up at the same time. So I got the internet like in my house when I was I think fourteen. Mm-hmm. And um it was the summer before high school, so thirteen, fourteen. And um and I remember like my mom saying, Okay, I want I want the password to your email account mm-hmm. and I want like she she allowed me to get ICQ, so mm-hmm. I was on ICQ, but she wanted the password to that and I wouldn't give it to her. Mm-hmm. Um I never gave it to her. Um <laughs> so it's hard for me to say because I, I At the very core of my being, I am a very stubborn, strong-willed, independent person. (laughs) And, um, you know, so I think about it from that perspective, like what I was like when I was a teenager and like what I would have been like with a smartphone. I don't even know. And um, I also think about, you know, if, if if Justin and I change our minds and we decide to have children, you know, am I going to be going to be the parent like walking the kid to school holding their hand when they're 14 years old? like right. that, yeah. that really overprotective parent, because I feel like I might tend to be that. And I don't know. Yeah. I think that so much of it is dependent upon your kids and their personalities and their um, I, I want to say disposition. Like, like, yeah. do you feel like they're responsible or reckless or or whatever? But, you know, I think, I think the most important thing, you know, from my youth that I think about is I really liked it when I was talked to and given information and treated like I was not a stupid kid. Yeah, and. You know, I I know you can't do that with every child. I know, you Mm -hmm. know, some children just, you know, (laughs) just don't, they're going to do what they want to do. But, you know, I feel like we can talk about um, abstinence only sex education, what a train wreck I think that is. (laughs) You know, I think that, you know, you got to teach them how to protect themselves and you got to teach them early, I think, in our Mm -hmm. society because.
1: Yeah. uh, Yeah. Uh, I think, like, I made a decision when my oldest was just being born that I don't want to lie to her. Mm. Uh, I'm not going to always tell her the straight truth or anything, or I might choose not to answer a question, but I don't want to lie to her. And so, yeah, it's trying to treat them not like they're dumb because they're going to figure stuff out. Even if I was able to set up and block, like, All the internet or something from there. They're they're gonna figure out a way around that, like within five minutes. Right. (laughs) If they're anything like the way I was, (laughs) um, and so yeah, it's yeah, yeah, like you said, just prepare them uh, earlier, probably than you think. Yeah. And they're not quite there yet, but you know, say the difference between a first grader and a fifth grader is only four years, and that's that's a lot of time. And by that time, they're gonna probably already know more than you realize. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, and I'm a big fan of I, I would also be the person with the baby you know, just because of my background with working with babies and being in early childhood and like having vague remembrances of how brain development (laughs) happens, you know, but, you know, the person walking down the aisle, you know, pointing to every box and talking about the pictures on them and what color it is, you know, I'd be, I'd be that like that over informative parent. So I can imagine myself like taking a selfie and being like, oh, look, I'm taking a selfie and I got to make sure that, you know, like only appropriate parts of me are in the picture. (laughs) And, um, I never take a picture that I don't want everybody to see and um you know just kind of having that you know I I wouldn't be that bad but just that kind of you know like constant almost subliminal messaging about what (laughs) you know how how I use my smartphone responsibly yeah Um, totally you know, oh, I'm going to, I don't know, I'm going to post something to Facebook, but I'm going to make sure it's something that I'm okay with everybody seeing because yeah. Facebook is not a place for secrets. And, <laughs> like, I, I don't know. It's hard. Yeah,
1: yeah it's and I think, did you see that article? Um, I only have a few more minutes, but did you see okay. that article uh, just making the rounds a couple of days ago about uh, a teenager's perspective, mm-hmm. yeah, on social that networks. was
0: really good.
1: Yeah, it was oh. really good. I'm like, ah, oh, crap. I've been avoiding Snapchat. I don't really know what it is. <laughs> so, but I I need to start paying start paying a little bit more attention to these kind of things as they come up because that's what the kids are going to be using mm-hmm. in five years. Yeah, um, I know Facebook well enough, even though I don't really care for it. But I wonder if my kids are even ever going to be on Facebook. Probably not. More out of favor. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think there's hope, <laughs> but it does require work, like so much of everything. Yeah.
0: yeah, I think you know, parenthood is so much work, and I've got nothing but respect for for those of you who have kids because it, it's constant. It's constant. Yeah. And you guys are awesome. <laughs> <I've>,
1: <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, I've what I tell people who are expecting their first is that yes, it's more work than you even realize now, but you'll be amazed at your capacity to love another person.
0: Yeah. That's a really good note to end on. Yeah. So Scott, how do people find you online?
1: Well, easiest way is probably on Twitter. Um, My handle there is at Swilliams. I have a website, uh, swilliams.me. That's kind of more if you want to hire me, which you should. Uh, (laughs) uh, you can go there. Uh, I blog on occasion at blog.swilliams.me. Uh, and those are pretty much the best places at least to start. I have a lot of things going on, but you can, they all kind of branch out from there.
0: Nice. I'm so glad you said, Hey, can I come on your show? Because when I was calling for volunteers, because I've had a really great time and, um, I've, I've, I have a lot to think about, actually. Yeah, it's so been thank a pleasure. You. I've, I've yes. really enjoyed
1: it. And I have a meeting in 10 minutes that we'll I'm, not looking, I'm not looking forward to. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. It's okay.
0: All right, Scott, I'll let you go then so you have some time to get ready for your meeting. But All right, cool. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you. Take care. You too. Okay, bye.
0: Bye. You can find the show on Twitter, at Less Than or Equal. If you have feedback, suggestions for guests, or would like to be a guest, please go to LessThanOrEqual.com and fill out the contact form. If you have a few minutes, I would so greatly appreciate it if you'd go to iTunes and leave a review. Thank you for listening. Until next time, on an internet near you, I'm Aline Sims for Less Than or Equal.